Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. While I was standing over there singing, uh, I move out of the way so others can see the screen and I was watching Savannah play, remembering when she was first learning to play. Do you remember that? One Sunday night, she was first playing. I snuck up and hit a key on the piano while she was playing. It totally freaked her out. And I thought if I did that this morning, all she'd do is slap my hand and keep playing. (laughs) Hey, uh, this picture. You mean that I can get a crown? Uh, this guy doesn't doesn't know about crowns, and we're going to look this morning at crowns that God has. It starts in James one, uh, but then we're going to look at some other passages of Scripture. Uh, James, Paul, and Peter each talk about crowns that believers can earn while on the earth and then receive once they get to heaven. Uh, but they probably didn't picture elaborate crown jewels like these. Great Britain's Queen Elizabeth wearing her crown jewels for royal occasions. There's the early and later versions. And now, uh, her crown jewels have never been appraised, uh, but they estimate they're worth more than $4 billion. Um, And uh, some of the jewels in the crown in that are more than 400 years old from when they were cut and set. And now King Solomon had a crown and some others in the Old Testament scripture, some of the kings had crowns and the priests had elaborate headdresses that looked a little bit like a crown with a turban on top. Uh, but in the writings of James and Paul and Peter, they were referring to victor's crowns. So crowns more like these, uh, crowns that looked like leaves uh, uh, wrapped around and Uh, Because those were the victor's crowns. Those were given to commemorate significant political or military successes. In in our culture today, that would be like the the bronze star. It would be like the the silver star, the the medal of honor, or uh, the presidential medal that that is given out. They were also given to uh, represent significant athletic achievements, like uh, the gold medals in the Olympics. So that's what these wreaths were given for. So what Peter, James, and John were writing about is not that you would get a crown of royalty because when we're in heaven, there's only one royalty and that's Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. But that you would get that victor's crown, that wreath. And unlike the wreaths on earth, uh, when they had that wreath, what would happen to those leaves very soon after they put it on their head? They'd fall off. Even if they wore it for a few days, they'd start losing some. We had a little plant by uh, the table in our house, and, and we had that side window open. We had a couple of gusts of wind that came through, and leaves went all over the place. Uh, so now the plant's at Megan's house. <laughs> we, we've given it new life. But, uh, but the crowns, that they, got, they were perishable. They wouldn't last. And, and so the crowns that we get from the Lord, those are going to last. And so the cool thing about crowns that we can earn is... The crown that they could earn, you either had to be 
somebody who succeeded in a military conquest, somebody who achieved a great political accomplishment, somebody who was successful in an athletic endeavor. And so those crowns, you had to have skills to be able to get those crowns. But the crowns that we can earn aren't based on your skills. They're based on your heart, on your effort, on your motive. And so those, the crowns that we can earn from the Lord, they're based on heart and soul and not for having a particular skill set. So back to this first picture. <laughs> yes, you can get a crown. You can and I can earn a crown. And so this morning we're going to look at what are these five crowns and at, at crown-worthy living, crown-worthy living. So now Dan and Barbara haven't been able to be here for a while. Dan decided it'd be really cool to fall off somebody's porch. And uh, he, was, he was leaning against the railing and the railing gave out. And I bet your neighbor about had a heart attack when you went out over the rail. <laughs> oh, well, good, good. And, and Dan fell and he, he broke his arm, uh, broke his wrist, and, and uh, Dan and Barbara have, have struggled a bit. But they're able to be with us here today. We have some others who aren't here. Uh, Tim Pinnock heard that Dan would be back, and so he's not here today. No, uh, Tim is out sick. He's had a fever, and I appreciate the Sunday school shuffle that we did. Uh, ben moved in here instead of teaching the middle school class, and, and other teachers adapted, and I appreciate their faithfulness. We have some families out of town today. So uh, they're, uh, in fact, uh, the Altamiranos are up in Alaska today. They're suffering in the heat up there. And, uh, but, but when you're, when you're here, uh, if you can't be here, then God understands that. You can't be there. But when you can be here, God would like you to be here. So, so the crown-worthy living, it's not that God expects you to be perfect. In fact, the Bible says God knows your frame. He knows we're made from dust. So he doesn't want to see you perfect, but he probably wants to see you do a little better. So we can grow and we can improve together. So in James chapter 1, uh, this is the first reference to this crown. Uh, we're going to look at, I'm going to ask you to turn to all the scripture references. Well, not all of them, but to several scripture references. So in James chapter 1, we're doing a study through the book of James. And in, in verse 12, uh, he talks about a crown. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, the King James says tried, but it's that, that uh, like the scientific proving, examining, evaluating, uh, that's that trying. When you have been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So the first is the crown of life. You will earn that crown of life. Does that mean that if you please the Lord, you'll get to grow to be an old lady? Well, I'll tell you, Lance really hopes he doesn't have to grow to be an old lady, right, Lance? Uh, no, it doesn't mean that you're going to grow old. You're going to have a fullness of life, and there's going to be a blessing in your life because of God. And in heaven, there's going to be a blessing in your life, a crown in your life, because you have endured temptations. You have endured trials, and you have been found faithful. Now, uh, turn over to Revelation chapter 2. He talks about this with one of the churches in Revelation. Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are letters to all the churches. And 
in those letters to the churches, he writes this one to the church in Smyrna. And, and this was a letter you probably wouldn't have wanted to receive. The people in Smyrna and Jesus said, hey, I'm glad you're being faithful. I'm glad you're serving. And uh, I know you're really going to suffer. So hang in there. You're going to suffer. But then you're going to die. And so that's probably not the message they wanted to hear. But that's the message God had for them. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. He says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. So the crown of life is definitely not for living on earth. The crown of life is a blessing that God gives into your life. And when you're in heaven, you're going to enjoy that crown of life. What will it look like? Will it look like leaves? I don't know. Maybe each one will be a different color so you can stack them on your head. I don't know. In fact, some people say the whole purpose of getting those crowns is so you can then throw them at the feet of Jesus. Revelation says that's what the elders are going to do. They're going to throw their crowns at Jesus' feet. But it doesn't say we're all going to do that. But maybe we will. I don't know. But it's a blessing that we get from the Lord that we receive from him. The second is an imperishable or incorruptible crown. And this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, I picked this picture on purpose. Uh, any of you want to move into that house? No, uh, I certainly, Jim spent his life fixing cars. How'd you like to fix that one, Jim? <laughs> I, uh, all that would do if it was in my yard is get worse. I'd have to tow it away or the city code people would come after me. Uh, but it's an old rusted out beat up car and an old broken down house. Uh, and that's what happens to things on earth. They perish. They are corruptible. And so the crown that we can earn is called incorruptible or imperishable. It won't perish. So look at verse 24. Do you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? It's extremely rare to have a race end in a tie. I, I had experienced that once and in high school, a good friend of mine who went to a different school, we competed against each other. We were in a big city race, and after 3.1 miles, we finished in a photo finish tie. They'd never had that at that distance before, but we were about the same skill set, and we pushed each other. We ran side by side the whole way. We both leaned at the same time at the end, uh, but it's rare. I, I saw in the Olympics where in the 50-meter swim, they had a tie to the hundredth of a second, exact tie uh, for the gold medal one year when the, the doctor who does eye surgeries up in the valley somewhere, he was one of the gold medalists and his training partner was the other one who tied with him. But most of the time you run a race, one person wins. 
Then he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. You be running. You be the one that puts it all out there to try and win. Ask every, I'm sorry, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. See, the person who's competing at the Olympic level, who's competing at the professional sports level, there's certain things they won't eat. There's certain things they won't do. There's places they won't go because they're in competition and they're focusing on winning. So he says, they're doing that to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable or incorruptible crown, a crown that's not going to decay, it's not going to fall apart. The award we get, the reward that we receive is going to last forever. So he says, therefore, I thus run. Well, I'll just stop there. Paul talks about how he disciplines his own body. But you're exercising self-control in all things to earn that prize. And so God's saying, and through uh, James and Paul and Peter, that if you want to get rewards like that, you have to discipline your body. There's certain things on earth that you can't just do whatever feels good. In the same way, a parent, a, a loving and responsible parent, will not let their child eat whatever the kid wants to eat. The child, who, man, if the, if a kid got to eat whatever they'd want to eat, it'd be cookies for breakfast, Twinkies for lunch, and ice cream for supper. You know, that would be just about it. Uh, but you have to make sure they eat healthfully. And God wants you to discipline yourself to prepare yourself because this life is temporary. Everything in this life is temporary, including you. You'll live forever, but not here. I mean, I tease Dan Weber that he's already lived forever right here, but we know it's not true. I haven't been able to pick on you in a month, Dan. I got five more coming. Just, just hang tight. <laughs> but it's extremely rare to have a tie in a race on earth. But, but in our Christian life, we don't have to worry about tying. In our Christian life, we get to encourage each other. So if you're leading in the Christian life, then you're like, hey, hey, come on, join with me here. We can do this together. And, and you're encouraging each other. And then you cross the finish line. Have you ever watched like the Special Olympics? Uh, people who have handicap issues of one sort or another, uh, they have struggles. And I helped work at the Handicap Olympics uh, in Arizona one year a long time ago <laughs> when I was still a teenager. I, I helped. And, and, but... But one of the cool things, they showed this international Olympic competition for uh, people who struggled with one issue or another, some sort of handicap. And they're running this race, and one of the kids falls down. One of the kids falls down. And you know what all the other kids do? They come back and help them up. And then they all start running again. That's the way we're supposed to run together. Unfortunately, sometimes... Christians act like uh, the real Olympic or the, the primary Olympics, the, the special Olympics are just as real, but the primary Olympics, it's you, you if a person falls down, you celebrate because you now beat them. You don't have to worry about them. But we're supposed to help each other and encourage each other, and we have an imperishable crown. The rewards that we have from God will last forever. Uh, look at these words from 1 Peter 3, 
First Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You have an eternal reward when you serve Christ. And you can help other people earn the same award. There's no first place, second place, third place. There's approved or not approved. And we get to help each other. Uh, some of you who've been around here a good while, you remember when my grandma gave me a car. Uh, it was here in this church. She walked in, handed me the keys to her car, and, and I said, Grandma, do you want me to go get something for you? She said, no. I said, but you gave me the keys to your car. She said, no, I didn't. I said, Grandma, this is the keys to your car. I've driven you places. No, it's not. It's your car. She gave me her car. And a very silly way to do it. But you know what? what? You don't see that car in the parking lot today, do you? You know where that car is? A junkyard somewhere. It wore out. It got banged up. Not by me. Uh, it got banged up. And it, it's worn out. And it went away. It faded away. But the inheritance you have from the Lord will not do that. Listen to these words or look at them from Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rough doth corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's going to destroy and corrupt here on earth, but what we're living for is treasures in heaven, and they will not destroy, and they will not corrupt. And your heart can be focused on things of heaven even while you're struggling here on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures there. Those will last. Even the greatest Olympians in history are forgotten just a few years later. But the awards and rewards we earn from God will last forever. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians chapter 2, Beginning down in verse 19, Paul says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It is not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. For you are our glory and joy. So he's saying, listen, when we get to heaven, what we're really going to celebrate are the people that we have influenced for Jesus Christ. That will be our joy. That will be our hope. That will be our crown of rejoicing. Now, this has often been called the soul winner's crown. As if you led somebody to the Lord and therefore you get a crown in heaven because you've led somebody to the Lord, and maybe the more people you lead to the Lord, the more points and height they have on your crown. I don't know how that would work. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 3 talks about when people come to trust Christ. And 1 Corinthians 3 says people do two things. Do you remember what those two tasks are in the process of trying to reach people from 1 Corinthians 3? 
sowing and watering. Now, sowing is like planting the seed and then watering it, you know, throwing water on it to make it grow. So uh, if you notice, if you drive out from the church out this way and head east, uh, you're going to see a sprinkling system out in a field. And it's really tall. It, it, it doesn't look that tall from the roadway, but when you walk up to it, the, the center bar on that thing's way up over my head. And, and it runs around that whole field and goes all the way around. And uh, then they, it has special swing outs that go for when it's a square field. Quite often they do the fields in a round so that it can just run around and sprinkle the whole thing. So uh, they have to dig it up, they have to plant the seed, they have to water the seed. So that's what people do, sowing and watering. And so who's the one responsible for the increase? God is. In fact, it says that. But God gives the increase. So when it comes to reaching people for Jesus Christ, I think if you call yourself a soul winner, it's a bit of a misnomer. You're, you're a water boy or a water girl. You're, you're a planter. You are not the one who brings forth the increase. That's God. So if, if this crown of rejoicing is for those who reach people for Christ, I believe this crown is for those who directly and intentionally seek to influence people for Jesus Christ. We are rewarded, as Paul describes very clearly in 1 Corinthians 3, we're rewarded for our labor, not for the effect. So you can be faithful and reach no one and still be rewarded for being faithful. Uh, Paul experienced great joy because he ministered to people and they got saved. And that was his crown of rejoicing. That made his life worthwhile. It made all the difficulties, all the struggles worth it when people responded to Christ. And just like, you know, here on, on earth, we rejoice when somebody gets saved, they do that in heaven too. Look at these words on the screen. Philippians 4, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. You don't have to wait till heaven to rejoice when people get saved. Um, we've had... Uh, Three, uh, five of our grandkids get saved, right? But three of them fairly recently, or two of them very recently, and and it, uh, it, it's just really exciting. And we got to see them and hug them and rejoice with them. And uh, we we uh, when Kathy and I were up there recently, up in Flagstaff, and uh, Lizzie had a friend come over and stay with her, and. I knew that friend's mother from years ago helping at camp. So I knew her before she met her husband. And so the daughter thought that was pretty cool. And then uh, we, we were talking and I shared with her that Lizzie had just recently got saved. And so her friend's mom ran up and gave her a bear hug and rejoiced because her daughter's friend is now a believer too. And what a blessing that is. Well, they're doing that in heaven. Luke 15, 7, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Three verses later, Luke 15, 10, likewise I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So all of heaven rejoices when one person on earth trusts Christ. 
And, and God appreciates and rewards your labors for trying to reach people for Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you could bring great joy in this place and great joy in that place if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today and ask him to forgive your sins and save your soul. And he will do that. He's the Savior. That's what he does. And he's done that for many who are in this room. The, the crown of rejoicing. So will it be because you have personally led somebody in the sinner's prayer and they have trusted Christ? Many in here have experienced that. Will it be because you helped influence people for Christ? I don't know. I think it'll be because you help influence people for Christ. We get rewarded for watering and sowing. God brings the increase. But you know what? When we get to heaven, we'll figure it out. Okay? Look at number four, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. The crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Paul says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Uh, the King James just says, I'm ready to be offered. Uh, but there were certain offerings. Some were sacrificial offerings where the animal would die. Some of the offerings were poor offering being poured out. And uh, in the Greek, in the, the indication is this was a poor offering. So Paul's ready to die. We know from history, the Bible doesn't tell the story of, of Paul's death. But from church history, it says that Paul was beheaded for Christ uh, because he was a Roman citizen, so he couldn't be put to death by crucifixion. So the, he was beheaded. Um, but um, Paul said, I'm ready for that. I'm ready to be poured out for Christ, to give up everything that I am and everything that I have. And he says, I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. He knows either because the Holy Spirit let him know or because his jailers let him know, hey, there's an appointed time and, and you're going to go. Uh, it wasn't going to be immediate because he asked Timothy to bring his coat uh, for the winter, but he, but he knows it's coming. Uh, probably he had two imprisonments. Uh, the one he began in the book of Acts and then he was released from that for a time, and then he had a second imprisonment. This is probably his second imprisonment as he's expecting to die. In fact, these are the last words that we have of the Apostle Paul that the Holy Spirit has preserved for us. So he says in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Was he perfect? No. If you've read Romans 7, you know there were times he struggled. But over the course of his life, he'd held the course. He'd stayed on track. When he'd messed up, he'd ask forgiveness and got back on track, and he'd serve the Lord. So now he says, finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul has stayed the course. He's finished the race. He's, he's done what God had called him to do. And this seems to be a special reward for those who are eagerly looking forward to Christ's return. 
Uh, Matthew Henry said, Paul had lost for Christ, but he was sure that he would not lose by him. Paul gave up everything to serve Christ, but he also knew it was worth it. He said, I reckon, accounting term, I reckon the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Paul was looking forward to that. He was expecting his reward, and he was looking forward to being with the Lord. When you love and you long for the rapture of the church, when Christ comes down to the skies, to the clouds, and he calls us up to be with him, if you long for that, if you look forward to that, then it helps you, you will earn this reward. If you're distracted by the things of this life, in fact, look at the contrast between what Paul said he's doing and what he's ready for. Look down in verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas forsook him. Demas turned away, but Paul kept longing for that day when he was going to be with the Lord. Paul kept looking for that. Paul said to the Philippians, to me, to live is Christ. That's what he was focused on. And Demas got distracted by the things of this life. Both guys lived in the same culture. Both guys served Christ together, but one stayed faithful and one drifted away. Will you be one who stays faithful? God knows and you can know. Uh, one of Paul's daily values was preparing to see Christ. Preparing to be with Christ. That was something Paul thought about every day. Titus 2 says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul was dreaming about being with Christ, thinking about being with Christ, talking about it all the time in his conversations, in his messages, and in his letters. Are you looking for that? Um, you know, is that the, the next thing on your agenda, longing to be with Christ? All right, let's look at the last crown. 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Now, this is often called the pastoral crown, and I was taught when I uh, was a new believer that this was a crown reserved exclusively for those who serve as pastors. And I'll explain a little why they thought that. I was taught that in Bible school, that that's what it was for, a special crown that only someone who's pastored a church can earn. Now, I don't want you to think bad of pastors, okay? But how many of you know a pastor who has walked away from the Lord, who has hurt the church and the testimony of Christ? Yeah, we've seen that, experienced that. Uh, for a while, I worked on church staff under a pastor who he didn't cheat on his wife, but financially, he devastated the church. And uh, then, anyway, uh, we've seen that. So would those guys get this reward just because they served as a pastor? Uh, see, see, I think we... <laughs> All right, let's read what the scripture says. That's a good starting place, isn't it? Okay. 
It's a good finishing place too, right? The author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. All right. First uh, Peter chapter 5, look in verse 2. Okay. Shepherd the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. Nurture and shepherd that flock which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. All right, pause right there. This says a couple things about the pastoral role. It says the person who's called to pastor is a shepherd of the flock, meaning there's a responsibility to the people. Some pastors act like they're the fourth person of the Trinity, and they are here because you need God's man, and I'm God's man, baby. That, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying when you become the pastor, your responsibility level goes through the roof, but your authority level doesn't. You're an under-shepherd, under-Jesus, and you have accountability to the congregation. Sadly, some pastors forget that. If I ever forget that, our deacons will remind me. Don't worry about it. Uh, actually, my wife will first. <laughs> We're committed to doing it the Bible way. All right? So it says that, the, but he's, he's supposed to take the oversight. So it's the right thing to do to serve as an overseer. Uh, some people act like pastors should have no authority the pastor is just the preacher and the teacher, and the authority lies in the board of the church. Our church doesn't really have a board. We have people who serve for legal purposes as a board for the nonprofit corporation, but in the ministry, we have a partnership. The deacons, the trustees, and me serving together, all of us serving together with our wives, serving on the leadership team, and serving and ministering together. But, but so there is some authority there. And some people, they don't want the pastor to have any authority. And some pastors, they want to have all authority. Neither position is biblical. I think we should do things God's way, don't you? That's what we're struggling to do. And I, some days it's challenging. Not everything that God has is challenging. Some are easy, but some are challenging. Look at verse 3. Nor is being lords over those entrusted to you. Now that word entrusted to you, uh, it, it, it's the people of God's heritage. That's how it's written out in the King James. In the New King James, it says entrusted to you. So, so here's the idea. For those who serve as pastors in a congregation, you don't have a congregation. They are God's congregation. They are the Lord's church. The pastor has responsibility, but he is part of the congregation. He's chosen from among the congregation, and he serves by the uh, willingness of the congregation. But we have to remember, it's the Lord's congregation, and we have a responsibility, a heritage to the Lord. And then he goes on. He says, uh, but you're supposed to be an example to the flock. In the same way that Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, Peter is saying, when you serve as a Bible class teacher, as a pastor in a church, you better be living what you're teaching. You're supposed to be an example to the flock. And that's the, the primary way that we work and influence in the scripture. We don't have authority over one another. We're believer priests in Jesus Christ. But we have uh, examples to encourage people. 
And then look in verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The crown of glory that does not fade away. And so I was taught before I became a pastor that this was exclusively for pastors. And then I surrendered to preach, and my pastor reminded me of that. Well, when you become a pastor, you can earn this crown. And I went to Bible college, and they affirmed that. So if you look back on our mission board, uh, we have some missionaries there. Some of them are females. Um, uh, We support Emma Napier. We were supporting John and Emma, and John died of a massive heart attack down in Australia. We still support Emma and the mission of Inner Australia Baptist Missions. We support Debbie Melbourne. Uh, Debbie and her husband Kurt were missionaries in Mexico and faithful. And uh, Debbie has stayed on there and still coordinates. She's not the pastor. She's not the preacher in the churches, but she helps coordinate the missions and the ministry. Because I, I talked to her soon after Kurt died, and I said to her, I said, Debbie, I hope you'll stay there. Because we knew you guys. We, we knew you well. We appreciated your ministry. And Kurt was the big idea guy. He made, thought things up, but, but you're the one who did the organizational skill and made it happen. In the same way here at our church, that we are blessed because I have the opportunity to be here and minister, and God's allowed us to have a long-term ministry next month. We'll have been here 23 years. And, and Megan helps in the office. And, and anybody who does anything around in church teaching and ministering, they know how much Megan does, that if it was left up to me, we'd really be struggling, and I wouldn't have nearly as much time to study or, or call people, encourage people. And, and so it takes both. And, and Debbie had that role, and so we encouraged her to stay on in the ministry. And, and in fact, I talked to her supporting church and to some other, or her uh, sending church, and some other pastors encouraging them to keep supporting her. And and we still support at the same level we supported before those husbands died. We still support. Not because we're encouraging those letters, ladies to go preach. We don't think that's the biblical pattern, and we submit to Christ. But because we're encouraging them to do that ministry and help. So Will they miss out on this crown? What about Pete and Taru Marshall? They're on that board. We support them. They are evangelists. Now, for a very short time, Pete also pastored a church down in Tucson while he was serving as an evangelist. It was like his home base. Uh, But Taru has never pastored a church. So do they miss out on this crown? Uh, What about Bible class teachers who've shepherded their class? Moms and dads who shepherd their kids? See, here's what I think. I think those who are working to shepherd people toward Christ and in Christ could earn this award. Is it exclusively for pastors? I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't spell it out clearly. It certainly spells out that those pastors who serve faithfully will be able to get this, but will they be the only ones? I don't think so. So I'll tell you, Here's what I think we should do, okay? We'll get to heaven and let God worry about it. Does that work for you guys? Because he's got it all figured out, and we don't, because he didn't give us enough information to have everything figured out. So we need to focus on crown-worthy living, living in a way that would give God the opportunity to give us those crowns. 
Now, when you think about crowns and rewards in heaven, see, some people, they don't like to, to get something out of it. Some people are, um, what's the term, upholding kind of people. They, they know the law and they want to follow the law. You know, it's like Hunter. When Hunter sees the speed limit sign, he knows, man, I got to go way below that, right? That's how Hunter drives, right, Hunter? But, but some people are uphold, they want to they do what's right because it's the right thing to do. Other people want to do what's right because there's something in it for them. What's in it for me? Well, see, this is a win-win situation. If you're a person who wants to do right because it's the right thing, you do right and do the right thing and you win when you get to heaven. If you're a person who wants a personal reward, you want to do right if there's something in it for you, then you do right. When you get to heaven, you get the reward. It works for all of us. But there's four things that you need to think about. Four things that you need to think about when it comes to crown-worthy living, okay? I don't think... You should say, all right, now I know what the crowns are. Okay, I got four out of five. How can I get that fifth one? I, I, I think that's the wrong perspective. You're not trying to build your, you're trying to submit to Christ. And honestly, some people live as if eternal reward was their God. And they're longing for that reward instead of longing for Christ. Paul talked about these awards. He said, this is a crown that I know I'm going to earn when I'm in the presence of the Lord. But he didn't say, I can't wait to get my crown. He said, to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He was longing to please Christ. So that should be our motive. Try and please Christ. And then rejoice that you get some rewards when you get there. All right, here's the first thing you need to think about. God loves to see people trust Jesus Christ as Savior. God loves to see people trust Jesus Christ as Savior. God's thrilled with it. Now, some of you have prayed for a child, a friend, who's really struggled. They've been in trouble in different places. And then they trust Christ and their whole life changes. And you're just so thrilled. Um, you know, when you guys knew Benjamin, our son, many of you knew Benjamin. He served here for a time, and now he's up in seminary in uh, Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, he, when he was a l very little kid, those of you who knew him when he was in high school and older, he just seemed like a really nice person. You thought he was nice and kind and loving and serving. And, but when he was a little kid, he was very, very strong-willed. And he was fussing. He wanted to rule the world. And one time when Kathy and I left home, uh, we put his sister, Jessica, in charge. And so he would have been about two or three. And, and she was 12 years older. And so, of course, we left her in charge. And he was mad because he thought he should be left in charge. You know? And then one of the coolest things, God allowed him to learn to read very young. And he got saved very young. And we could see the change in his life. And it made being his dad so much easier than it was before he got saved. 
And, and so God loves to see people get saved too. He loves to see the change in people's lives. He takes them from darkness to light, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from children following Satan to children of God and followers of Jesus Christ. God loves to see people get saved. So ask yourself, who am I influencing toward Christ? Who am I influencing toward Christ. If you can't think of anybody, maybe you need to put somebody on that list and start talking to people about Jesus. Secondly, God wants to reward you for doing right and resisting temptation. Is not that the greatest picture for that? <laughs> that kid's checking out that cookie jar, man. God wants to reward you for doing right and resisting temptation. I was working on this PowerPoint a little bit Friday, a little bit Saturday, and I spent some time looking back through old pictures of my brother because I know there's a picture of my brother that my dad caught. <laughs> my brother would sneak out at night and get into the cookie jar, and there's a picture of him. He's got his hand in the cookie jar, and that's the first picture. And then the second, because dad just went click, 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 click. First picture is hit. The second picture, he looks up shocked. The third picture, he's got this real pouty face. And I was looking for those pictures, and I couldn't find them. Kids love cookies. Kids of all ages love cookies, right? <laughs> so resisting temptation. There's some temptations that are fairly easy to resist. Uh, I have never been tempted to steal, really. I, I guess since I got saved would be a more apt uh, terminology because I did when I was a kid. Um, got arrested for it. But, but um, when, when uh, some people really struggle with it. And, and I, uh, Kathy and I were going into a concert, a presentation that somebody was putting on, and the lady in front of me dropped a $20 bill. And without hesitating, I grabbed it up, tapped her on the shoulder. Ma'am, you dropped this. Never even had the thought to stick it in my pocket. Sweet, I can take Kathy out to dinner. Uh, just immediately give it back. Why? And some people would struggle with that. But there are things that I have struggled with. And my wife, dear sweet wife, has never struggled with losing her temper people other than me. <laughs> no, no, she, she's never been tempted to hit somebody or hurt somebody. And yet that was something that I struggled with. I, I shared with you before that she, in her, early in her marriage, would tell me, Terry, that's a two. Now I do that to myself. You know, I, I get in a situation like, Terry, this is a 1.7, you know, let it go. And, and I, I just work on it. But there's a reward for resisting temptation. You know what? We all face the similar kinds of temptation. But each temptation hits you because of what's going on inside you. And we'll look about that another week. But God wants to reward you for resisting temptation, for being proved, for being tried and been found faithful. So ask yourself, how am I doing with that? Is there a temptation that you're struggling with? Who could you get to partner with you to help pray with you about that 
to help you overcome that temptation. God wants to reward you. In fact, the end of Revelation, he says, I'm ready. My reward is with me. I'm eager to reward you. Are you eager to earn the reward? He wants to reward you. Secondly, or thirdly, rather, God wants to reward you for helping other people. He wants to reward you for helping other people. So here's another question you can ask yourself. Who am I helping? Who am I helping? Now, if your answer is myself, I'm helping myself. Okay, wrong answer. Okay, think about somebody else you can help. Here's the fourth idea that you need to think about. Uh, Eternal rewards are vastly more satisfying than temporary ones for earthly success. Eternal rewards are just way bigger, better, longer lasting. So ask yourself, in my daily activities, how often am I thinking about and planning for heaven? How often are you doing that? So we we need to focus on crown-worthy living. Not because we're focusing on getting the crowns, but because we're focusing on pleasing the Lord. So I have a task list, a program software app uh, that I use. It works on my computer and on my cell phone. And it's called Todoist, T-O-D, anyway, Todoist. I don't remember how to spell it unless I'm on the keyboard and my fingers do it automatically. But but, uh, in that task list, I give myself things to do. And some of them are daily recurring things that I have to do every day to remind myself to do things. And this week, while I was preparing for this message, I added in my daily thing that comes up every day, prepare to meet the Lord. And it comes up in all caps and bold letters. Every day I open my task list. There it is. Prepare to meet the Lord. We need to think about it every day. Because one of these days, and it won't be long, we'll be singing it. Oh, that's... (laughs) One of these days, God's going to call... Some of you remember that country gospel song I I hinted at there. We're going to be with the Lord someday. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It it will be glorious when we're with him. As my pastor used to remind us, live today the way you will want to be living when you stand before Christ, because you might today. Father, we pray that we would uh, show love to you and to other people, that we would follow you. Thank you for your instruction and your work. And thank you that you give us rewards for doing what is just the right thing to do. And so we pray that we would be found faithful in your eyes, that we would minister to others and show your love and share your truth. And and we pray that uh, we would look forward to that glorious day when we are with you. Thank you for that blessed hope. uh, In Jesus' name, amen. You know, some days it's hard to get through the day. Uh, This afternoon at at, uh, 5 o'clock in our afternoon service, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture, and David shares that life can be discouraging. And so we're going to look at things that David learned and, and five things that David can teach us about how we get through those difficult times. But God wants us to know that There's a great day coming, a day when we are with the Lord forever. Won't it be great? It'll be wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. 
If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.